Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please do not hesitate to contact us. Two easy ways to do that, email us. We still use email, Father. We do. Ignition at sfcatholic.org. Ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us. SF Diocese uses the hashtag Ignition. Again, if you're on Twitter, hashtag, whoops, SF Diocese, hashtag. <sighs> <sighs> so the way the Twitters work, uh, Dr. Bergwald, <laughs> is that uh, you have to tweet the, at the SF Diocese the work. <laughs> using the hashtag Ignition. That's the way the Twitters work. Should we talk about more ancient forms so of communication? Old. Let's talk about more ancient forms of communication, like letters. You know, somebody... Good good segue, but I'm going to stick with the ancient forms oh. of communication. Sorry. Um, you opened it up for needless banter here on Ignition. Um, I said, speaking of, that's like obvious I know, transition language. It, uh, it was great. It was great, but I'm going to ruin it. Okay. Um, the friend posted on Facebook a couple months ago, you know you're old when your child says, how come you say hang up the phone? Oh, wow. Yeah, we, good point. We don't hang up phones. Good point. We don't dial. Click. Yeah, there's no, yeah, we... We, we, haven't, we haven't dialed probably for quite a while. <laughs> but I was just talking uh, uh, a couple weeks ago with a family friend who knows somebody who still has a dial. Like, a, they still have dial. Those are awesome. I, and he complained, though, because you can't, like, you get the menu and you press one for, and you can't press one, because dialing one doesn't work. It doesn't? Nope, oh. it doesn't. But what was your what what was the other form of uh, uh, ancient communication you were talking? Letters, <laughs> letters, trying to letters. Where so you put a pen on paper and you write someone, you put a stamp on it, you put it in the mail. Letters, letters. Yep. Let's talk about letters. letters. Let's talk about a letter. Let's talk about an epistle. There we go. Epistle is a is that a Greek word? Latin word? Greek word? Uh, Epistolos. It's Greek. 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 Um, so we're, we're going to continue our occasional series on the books of the Bible. We've, uh, we began with the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What the heck is going on? Where did that come from? Mm, it's a long story. Okay. Um, so we've, we actually gone th- we've gone through Acts, and next the next book in the New Testament is, oh, great biblical scholar. Uh, at, oh, Ro- oh, Romans. Yeah. <laughs> Not... <laughs> When I, see, when I say, oh, great biblical scholar, that's that's referring to you. So oh. you're supposed to pick up on... <clears throat> I don't think of myself as great at anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's great at being humble. Oh, my gosh. Um, St. Paul's letter to the Romans. So we, we're getting now into... Yeah, the, the letters. Technically, they are called the epistles because an epistle was a Greek form of letter that had a specific... Mm. Um, structure mm-hmm. that St. Paul, uh-huh. using the not only the the technical media of his day, paper or whatever, yeah, paper, scroll, parchment pen, parchment pen um, and but but he also used the form of writing of mm. his day, uh, stylistic. So, so this isn't just like he isn't writing when when we're reading like St. Paul's letter to the Romans or the letter of St. James. This isn't the type of letter that like you would write to your mom at summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings. I'm just, I'm just I mean, because Chris. 
we often think of like the ancient times as like always therefore what the and like you know the king's james english right. yes, type of absolutely. type of dress yeah. of everything <laughs> um and so but but that's that's what you're saying is not what Going no, on. that's not what. Happened. So it's specific. Like the, I, I don't remember all the details, but the the style of the introduction, where I you know, how he starts the letters, the greeting, and then the conclusion as well. Um, he was following uh, the the, the, the format form. of the epistle. Hmm. So I think hmm. oftentimes we in 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 the mass we say a reading from the letter of Saint Paul to the Romans. So we use that word letter, but but it, an epistle has a specific form. So Saint Paul used the forms of his day. Cool. So uh, this is the first. He used it, the popular technology of his day. He did. He'd be on twi- He'd be on that Twitter thing. On the Twitters. Uh, he'd be on the Twitters. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hear this one for a while. I think. Um, so we're we're now entering into the letters uh, of of the New Testament in this occasional series, um, and I think they are. It's interesting because. Um, they're ordered. It, it seems that they're ordered by first Paul. All of Paul's letters. We get all of Paul's letters, and then we get the the other epistles after that. But Paul's right. letters are ordered um, certainly, definitely by size, but also maybe by importance. I don't know. That's a good question. Definitely by size. Yeah, I've heard arguments before that. Um, well, because we'll see with Romans, it's pretty weighty. Do they talk in uh, uh, the Council of Nicaea when they uh, close the canon of the New Testament? They talk at all about why they ordered them in that way? I don't think they do. Okay. And I think it was tra- just a tradition by then, which had arisen for An age-old reason. tradition some 230 years after they'd been written. Exactly, yeah. Great, so okay. For whatever reason, they're ordered, but certainly by size. We see that Romans is the longest and Philemon is the shortest. But it seems like First and Second Corinthians each are longer than Galatians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. First is that the thing, order they go in? Yeah. Though? Okay. Man. <laughs> Romans first thing at Corinthians. I just Catholic there for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll get into those others later. We're we're going to focus on as we have been one at a time. I have to see if we get, we we must be able to get a full episode out of Philemon. Don't you think when we get there? Let's try. I, oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Philemon. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Good. I mean, Third John. I don't know about that. <laughs> to get pretty short there at the end. Yeah, Jude, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... We, we'll worry about that when we get there. Take a lot of banter. <laughs> it was time we don't oh, yeah. really have time to banter for Romans. No, no time for bantering with Romans. So, no, so just business. sort of looking at the, um, the, the normal structure that we've been looking at, beginning with author and date, and we sort of already gave away the author. St. Paul. St. Paul. St. Paul. He refers to himself that way in... Uh, chapter one, verse As one. Saint Paul. No. <laughs> I Saint Paul. <laughs> Presumptuous. Uh, he identif- the, the author identifies himself as Paul, and ancient and modern biblical, biblical scholars have have both said yes. This is definitely what we know about the mind of Paul, the style of Paul from Luke's um, Acts of the Apostles, which we looked at in our last episode in the series. Um, what we know from his other letters. This is definitely a part of the Pauline corpus, as the modern scholars like to say, part of the St. Paul's body of work. Um, and in terms of when he wrote it, written later um, in his, his career, um, St. Paul went on three different missionary voyages, missionary tours, um, and, and there's a, a pretty solid consensus that he wrote this one during the, the third missionary voyage. Uh, so that would have been somewhere around the late, Late in the year 57, early in the year 58 AD um, was when he wrote it. So he wrote it, wrote to the Romans, 
before he went to Rome, which was, off the top of my head, Father, I'll put myself out there and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I I think that was atypical. Um, I think in the other letters, I don't know about all of them, but he wrote to... uh, to to churches that he had established himself or right. that he had already visited at least. Right. And that he was hoping to, most times, although similar in that I think most all the, all the other letters, he's hoping to visit them again. Right. Yes. Yeah. He talks yeah. about yeah. visiting them again. Uh, that's not the case with this letter. He, he's writing here to to a local church that he has not uh, previously visited, that he's he, he's intending to visit and that he will, in fact, visit. Um, and that is, of course, to the church in Rome. So it'd be good to talk a little bit about, about Rome um, as well that way. Right. Please. Uh, talk about Rome. Imperial um, capital. The, yeah, the, the capital great. of the Roman Empire. Woohoo! Woohoo! So obviously the, the pagan the, Roman Empire <laughs> the pagan, at the time. At, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and very corrupt, unfortunately. Right. All sorts of ways, um, but like there, most pagan empires, that that seems to happen that way. Um, but it wasn't completely pagan. There were somehow, uh, and I, I don't know historically. Somebody's probably studied this, but there were there was a Jewish presence there. There had been already a Jewish mm-hmm. presence in Rome by this time, right? Probably, I think, just part of the diaspora. Yep, uh, and also uh, maybe some of the trade connections, and also the fact that uh, Israel was a Roman province conquered by the Romans. Right. What is it, by the way, that word diaspora? What's the diaspora? Diaspora is a Greek word uh, to talk about uh, the Jews in the state of being spread out and uh, and removed from the promised land, right. forcibly, not voluntarily re- right. uh, removed from the promised land. And some of them would eventually, or some of them would voluntarily travel other places mm-hmm. in some cases, um, but... Uh, for whatever, however it came about, there ended up being by St. Paul's time, um, at least a dozen or so synagogues, uh, scholars um, believe, were, were present in Rome. Um, we don't, the interesting thing to me is historically we don't know, but again, Paul mm-hmm. didn't establish his church in Rome. Right. Um, uh, I don't know if Peter did. We, we don't know for sure Wait. how um, Christianity came to uh, arrive t- in Rome itself. I know how. Evangelization? Nah, yeah, by the preaching of the word. <laughs> In the administration of the sacraments. But, I mean, who did it? I don't know that. Right. Or even when. Yeah. I mean, but how? It's probably how. Probably. Probably. Um, so we do know by the time that St. Paul wrote his letter to the church in Rome, um, it was a thriving community of Christians composed both of uh, Jewish and Gentile Christians alike. Um, yeah. Anything else about who he was writing to that you think would be worth? Well, so I think it's always interesting just to remember as a general point um, that he's usually almost always writing to Christians. Yeah, yeah. Which I think we take that for granted. We don't think about that sometimes. We just presume that. Well, sometimes even, we even presume the opposite. Oh, this is St. Paul instructing people about how to be Christian. Yes. Well, no. They're already Christian, Christian, but he's yeah. asking them to be, he's talking to them about being more authentic oftentimes in the living out of their Christian faith or inspiring them to greater depth in their faith. And one other thing will be, well, yeah, we'll look look ahead a little bit later about how uh, this is probably the most theological of, in the sense of treating theological doctrine uh, in depth, this is probably the most theological that way of, of all of his letters. The New Testament, none of the letters of the New Testament, the New Testament as a whole is not a catechism. No. Per se. It's, no. N- it's not, you know, it's not the systematic laying out of the various uh, teachings of the faith. Did they even have like the idea of a catechism? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, the whole idea of a catalog, a collection of all teachings of the faith. Right. That, that's a fair question. Yeah, that'd be, uh, 
interesting question to look at how um, how the, the Jewish antecedent to that. Like w- w- there, there was no Jewish the Talmud or the. Um, but those those were all really um, elaborations on scripture. What are the ones that are like the corrections of the uh, collections of the sayings of the rabbis? Midrash. Midrash. Yeah. yeah. Something like a midrash then. Right. Right, so that seems it's like sort of a yeah. That's very that's what we find in the New Testament, just reflecting. And this is delightfully biblically nerdy. Uh, yes. And for those who for those who haven't like officially studied anything about the Bible in that way, that was just a real nerdy section for us. We apologize. Sorry about that. <laughs> so so let's get back to Romans. What about Roman. rashes? Uh, <laughs> Rations. So why did he again not Raisins? being a catechism? Not systematic treaties on Christian how right. to become a Christian. Why did St. Paul write this letter? Why did he write it? Right. To say hi. Hi. Hello. Why would you write any letter? That's a great, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the reasons he wrote the letter, and one of the reasons you might write a letter to this day is to make an introduction of yourself. Right. And so, which he's doing and preparing for his upcoming visit. Right. Introducing himself specifically because he's on his way, or he's hoping to be there. And hopefully the letter gets there before him. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, I be, post that would have been interesting. <laughs> Did you get my letter? No. Who are oh, you? Oh, well, here's my here's here's who I am. Well, this is what I wrote down. So, yes. yep, 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 yep. I was just joking. Yep. Okay. <laughs> this is what I wrote down in my letter. Let me just summarize. Summarize it, and then you can probably ignore it when it gets here. And so, I guess I just wasted all that time writing the letter. So, St. Paul, we know, um, actually had a another goal in mind beyond, literally beyond Rome. Um, he hoped to travel to España. España. Yep. España. Um, so so it, it seems that St. Paul likely wanted to make Rome sort of uh, a new headquarters, so to speak, a, a base from which to launch another missionary journey, missionary voyage. If you can make it to Rome, you could probably make it anywhere. And, you know, again, going back to, you know, we're talking about his his using the the communications medium of, of media of the day, Roman highways allowed the gospel to spread. Right. We, we forget about what sort of like a technological advance highways are. Right. Yep. And so so it was because of things like the, the roads the Romans had built that the gospel was able to spread as relatively quickly as it was. So it makes sense that St. Paul would want to use Rome as a new missionary hub. Um, so that may have been one reason he wrote to the Romans, but another one as well. Um, again, mentioned a bit ago that the, the 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 church in Rome consisted both of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Um, and it seems, based on if you read the letter to the Romans, um, it seems that there there were some tensions uh, between, particularly between those two groups within the church. Question: Yes. How did Saint Paul know there was tensions? Ooh. I'm assuming someone must have wrote him a letter. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or write word of mouth from someone else. Right, right. And that might actually be, I think, don't some people think that maybe, like, uh, uh, who's the married couple? Priscilla and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Priscilla and uh, Apollon... Uh, Apollo? Apollos. Apollos? Apollos. I think so. But that uh, he had this contact with, because they were tent makers as well. Yeah. And maybe they went, they're part of that, evangelization wave in Rome. Maybe they kept up the correspondence with him. And- I think it was the Apostles' Summit of uh, 55 AD. The Apostles' Summit of 55 well, you know, AD? We, we, we have it- summits. It's like, you know, we have summits all the time today. Like conferences, like the, the, com- the, mm-hmm. annual, the, annual com- the annual apostolic conference. Yeah, I don't know if they did that back then. No? No. I mean, they had that one in Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. We know about that one. But 
Uh, I don't know if that was a regular thing. Oh. Send out their annual fundraising appeal. <laughs> right, so purpose. So threefold purpose is one, to deduce himself, prepare for the trip, uh, for his visit. Second, to make Rome a missionary base for new phase of evangelization, not just to Rome, but to the western parts of the Roman Empire and perhaps even the north. And then finally, to ease tensions, strain unity and fellowship in the church, particularly between the Jewish and the and Gentile Christians. Right. And we should say, by the way, just to remind you, the reason we're doing this series is to hopefully just give you an introduction so that you actually read the text itself. Um, read the text. So, so if we it, have any message today, read the St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Exactly. So we're going to give. We're going to. Um, next discuss some of the themes and characteristics of the book, uh, of the letter, rather. Uh, but it's important that in the end, you not just, oh, well, I learned a lot about the, hopefully you learn of something, have learned something about the letter to the Romans. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully. But don't just leave it there. Actually, go, because as, yeah, we're just not inspired. Take a look. Yeah. It's in a book. <laughs> reading Romans. <Yes. laughs> huh? I, I, I Reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton. Okay. It's on Netflix now, too. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway, so, uh, commercials aside, um, themes and characteristics, Father. Is this commercial if they don't pay us? There's no commerce involved for us. It's true. Okay. So, themes and characteristics of the Holy Letter of St. Paul to the Romans. What what comes to mind? Off the top of your head. Uh, Honestly, I'll... Off the top of my head, or off the uh, uh, <laughs> off the little uh, script in front of <laughs> <You> us. Decide. <laughs> I mean, ask me a question like that. I don't know if you're um, off the top of my head. Uh, like, what really comes off for me is like his uh, his deep theological talking about salvation. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Romans seven, Romans. I just preached this weekend a bit and mentioned Romans five and Romans seven uh, in my homily this weekend, talking about like why do I believe in Jesus but still sin? Right. You know. Um, so like those sorts of things, uh, come in mind. I think for, for me off the top of my head would be <laughs> hard to understand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like a, a dense, weighty, yeah. relatively weighty, relatively weighty document. It's not very, conver- it's not conversational. It's not like the gospels or acts. No, certainly it's very different than the gospels or the acts of the apostles. So if you're reading sequentially through, yeah. Uh, uh, the books of the New Testament, you're going to get to, oh, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay, Acts, this isn't all that hard. Roman, it's like yeah. the Deuteronomy <laughs> exactly. of the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Leviticus? Levit- Leviticus, Leviticus. Leviticus. Deuteronomy's not that bad. Yeah. yeah. But Leviticus, wow. Instead, just skip to the end and read Revelation. Much easier than Romans. <laughs> yeah, Revelation's really easy to understand. Glad that's, when, that's the last one. My brother. So, so um, but it is, this is hard to understand. You know, and and Saint Saint Peter said that about some of Paul's letters. He did, he did. We don't know which ones explicitly he was referring to, but considering maybe Saint Peter was writing in Rome at the time, uh, he may have had Rome. He he may have just gotten it, like when he, you know, oh are you gosh, serious? What the heck, Paul? Yeah, come on, come on. Apparently, Saint Peter is from Boston. <laughs> the Boston court. Never mind. Oh boy. Um, what else? Uh, the style, stylistically more formal than his other letters. Yeah, you don't get as much, like, does he do, like, the whole thing at the end? I'm not remembering. Um, oh, and say hello to Bob and make sure he gets that seat cushion because it's really good for my sciatica. Um, I mean, he does it in the other letters, right? <laughs> Hope to visit there soon. This, this, Hope they make me some cupcakes. I like cupcakes. I write this in my own hand, Paul. Speak 
quite the uh, paraphrased translation you have. The modern, uh, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's also, as we were saying earlier. Um, Priscilla and Aquila. Oh, Aquila, not Apollos. Yep. Meaning um, eagle in Sicilian. Nice. In Sicilian? Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Our former, um, ap- well, our our previous apostolic administrator, now Archbishop. Benevolent Overlord. Samuel Aquila, um, who's now Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Denver, as we're recording this. Um, yes, his last name means eagle. He sends greetings. So at the end of Romans, he sends greetings, but no, like, none of the, like, practical notes like he makes in some of the other uh, letters. So uh, more formal style that way. Um, it, it, again, as we said earlier, it's it's the closest to a theological treatise you'll find among his Right, letters. which is why a lot of Bible-only Christians rely so heavily upon Romans and try to mine Romans so deeply and almost sometimes to the exclusion of uh, forgetting how Romans complements the other books of the New Testament and, and can dominate the other books of the New Testament. It's interesting, you know, when I've, in the past, when I frankly would get into arguments with, with some of the Christians— I'm, this is going to be completely unfair. I want to be clear here. I'm not. I'm, this is a car- complete. I want to be caricature. clear that I'm being completely unfair. I'm exactly. This is a complete caricature. But it seemed like they like Paul better than Jesus. Yeah, because they would rely so heavily on, particularly Romans, and and very little references to the Gospels. Which you know, now I understand why. To, uh, being fair to them, I know why they were doing that. Um, why they were making the arguments the way they were. But I, I, I just thought it, it struck me as odd that they cited the words of our Lord very little in making their argument. Right. And then like, you bring up something, like, something for Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, yes, but St. Paul says, how can St. Paul trump, trump Jesus? Jesus? Exactly. So, Father, we got about five minutes left. Um, maybe talking, we should talk about some of the, the content of this letter. I suppose. But again, then I'm fine t- only spending five minutes in content because we want you to read it. Right. So content. We want to do like the quick little overview and then sure. pop in each then, one. Yep. All right. So, like, friends, you could divide this uh, uh, book maybe into three little sections. I mean, you have a little introduction uh, in the first, like, 15 verses. But then uh, from chapter 1, verse 16, through the end of chapter 8, really have a lot of focus on the idea of salvation in Christ and, and what salvation in Christ means, which is a place where a lot of our brothers and sisters of Christ really mine into Romans. Right. And then uh, chapters 9 through uh, through 11 uh, to beginning of chapter 12, he's really looking at a lot of those Jewish-Gentile Christian relationships, the relationship between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and how to understand uh, the relationship between the fulfillment of the covenants and the covenants that went before. And then finally uh, about Christian living in the last uh, four chapters or so. So, so what what are the, some of the just again just teasing some of the things that we'll find um, in in some of those three sections? What what what's something that sticks out? Well, one thing that really sticks out for me, like in that first section, is uh, there's a huge portion on the natural law, which you can't forget about, and of Saint Paul citing the idea of the natural law, and uh, and referencing it. And in using, so natural law is something we've talked about before in previous episodes. We can't get into too much now, but just this notion that God put a moral law into the natural fiber of things that all people of goodwill can know. Okay. That's it. So, so he just points to the reality of it. This is in, I think, chapter one. Chapter one and two. Yep. Okay. Right. Because he's talking about uh, those who uh, worshiped the pagan gods before the coming of the gospel. 
and how even though they ha- they, they should have known these things, that they're in front of them, that's accessible to them, they still forsook the natural moral law. Right. Uh, and went to their own passions and desires. If you're interested in hearing more about that, um, look up. This is quite a while ago. Back in, I had to look it up back in episode 71. Whoa. Back in the September of 2011. Whoa. We talked about uh, Jay Budzinski's book, What We Can't Not Know. Yeah, great title for a book, What We Can't Not Know. You yeah. can't not know this. Yep. So, so. Um, what else with in terms of content sticks out for you? You know, uh, I, I just love the whole idea of... Um, just like St. Paul t- wrestling with his own salvation in certain senses, like Romans chapter seven, verse 19, one of my favorite verses, I do not do the good I want instead I do the evil I do not want. Right. And then how that chapter seven leads into chapter eight and the promise of the Holy spirit and God's own promise of salvation and transformation and freeing us from these internal, uh, uh, chains of sin for me. And, and just following uh, sort of in, in the letter itself from that, that, that next section talks about, restoration of Israel and Paul just mm. struggling or not struggling with just you you can feel the angst almost of the fact that his brother Jews um, w- mm. did not acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah as the Christ despite but all these promises they have and and that's not there's this theory of supersessionism which says the first covenant is left behind it's superseded it's not the case. This really gets into theological. Yeah, words, we're getting into the weeds here, which we don't have time to do. Nope. Um, but but it's interesting to me. What what does strike me is his love for his people, even right. those who have who haven't don't accept Jesus as. Well, the you you see his pain, right. and his desire for all of them to know Jesus Christ as he knows them, as he knows them? Jesus Christ. He knows he Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Well, I meant the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> how can I speak of Jesus while well, speaking of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? I nice save. Thank you. And then I love uh, Romans chapter 12, especially, um, and like the talking about the living the Christian life. Do not be conformed uh, to this age, rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, uh, I think it's like Romans chapter 12, verse 18 or so. Um, Do good things to your enemies, for in doing so you heap burning coals upon their heads. Right. Yep. Uh, Romans 12, 21, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil through works of good. Uh, that's our password for the internet at the Newman Center. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we post it on the wall, so I'm not giving anything away. And so, so again, just this is just a snippet, some tease. Definitely, though, dive into this, read yeah. it. If you need to find a good biblical commentary mm-hmm. uh, to help you understand some of the um, things that are harder to understand as Saint Peter himself wrote. Yeah, but it's 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 so worth it to dive in. In fact, I'm even thinking about maybe doing like a little student Bible study on the Book of Romans this spring. Uh, as we were preparing for this and thinking about it and like how much more I need to learn about it and dive into right, it. Right. Um, cause it's just, it's, it's rich. As with all of scripture, it's, uh, St. Pope Gregory the Great, shallow enough for a lamb to wade in, deep enough for an elephant to swim in. That's pretty deep. Pretty deep. Shallow enough for a, a lamb to swim in. Deep enough for an elephant to drown in. Wow. Yeah. And that's a wrap. That wraps up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition with thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition podcast in the iTunes store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.